Hello, I'm Eric Schumann. And I'm Carolyn Ipel, and you're listening to WCWP 88.1 FM. Glenn Cove Spotlight, thank you for joining us today. How have you been, Carolyn? It's been a while. Eric, it's been a very long time since I've seen you. Great to see you. I'm okay. Hanging in, I think, like everybody else. So doing what we can do and doing our part. How about you? Uh, things have been interesting, um, to say the least, you know, um, especially with little ones. Um, and uh, it, it just seemed to hit all at once. And it, it's hard sometimes to feel like you can breathe at, at moments. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm actually glad we're doing this. I think this is very, it's for, certainly nice to see you. And it's very important for everyone to get some information out there on what's happening. Of course. Just tell me, how are your kids doing with all this? Are they going back to school? They're going to be going back to school um, in just a few short weeks. Um, I have three, as you know, and all three at different schools. Mm -hmm. So uh, all three have different schedules. So it is going to be a little challenging, um, but we're going to make it work. Um, And uh, I have to say, without my wife, I think I'd be absolutely lost. So uh, I'm very, very glad that she's been so helpful and so supportive through all this. That's great. You do it as a team. Absolutely. And take it one day at a time. How was everything with you and your family? Everything's good. So I work in healthcare, so does my other half. So it's been an interesting time the last five months, to say the least, as Carrie knows. <laughs> so working in healthcare. So, um, but you know what? We're here. We're happy. We're healthy. And people in our family are healthy. So we're just incredibly grateful right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that being said, maybe you'd like to introduce our guest for today. I sure would. And I would like to welcome Carrie Scanlon from North Shore, Northwell Glencoe Hospital. Hi, Carrie. Thank you for being with us today. She's the executive director at Glencoe Hospital. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for being here, Carrie. This is really great of you to do. So tell me a little bit about your job title and and what your responsibilities include at the hospital. So I'm the executive director for the hospital. That means I'm the um, head administrator for uh, Glen Cove. Um, uh, Basically all day-to-day operations uh, report up through me as well as all strategic initiatives for the institution. Um, and financial, um, and that reports then up to our regional executive director for the Eastern Region, Steve Bello, and then that reports to our chief operating officer, Mark Salazzo, for the health system, who reports to our CEO, Michael Dowling. So um, I'm very honored um, to be in this position. Uh, We are continuing to strive to grow Glen Cove Hospital. And um, it's been my 25th year with Northwell uh, Mm -hmm. this year. And uh, as I say, it's truly um, just a wonderful, wonderful organization to work for. That's wonderful. And and did you grow up locally? Um, Yes, I did. I grew up in Huntington um, and uh, over, you know, on the around Swamp there, so on the border of uh, Nassau and Suffolk. Um, I was in Huntington really for about 25 years, and then my husband and I, we moved to Smithtown. Um, I live in Nessaquag, uh, which is part of St. James um, right now, um, which I absolutely love. And um, 
you know, I do commute. It's a little further. Um, it's so beautiful here in Glen Cove, but, um, you know, uh, we love, you know, uh, the, where we are in, in Smithtown. And um, I have really worked for Northwell. I've worked for a number of different hospitals at Northwell um, and corporate as well. I worked at North University Hospital in uh, Manhasset prior to coming here for six years. I was the chief nursing officer there and the deputy chief nurse executive for the health system. And prior to, I was born I'm sorry. <laughs> I was born oh, there. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Great hospital. Great hospital. Um, and then prior to that, I worked at Long Island Jewish Medical Center um, for 11 years and was the chief nursing officer and there and also the vice president for clinical quality prior to that um, and worked for corporate um, prior to that and then North Shore prior to that. So we kind of in Northwell um, go where there's needs and that's what makes it so exciting. Um, you can grow as a professional and it helps the organization to grow as well. Well, in these challenging times, it seems like if anyone can handle what's going on, it's certainly you with your experience. So we're very lucky to have you uh, in that position. At our I'm very fortunate just being one of many here, phenomenal leadership locally at Glen Cove, and then the incredible leadership under our region and under our system structure. I'm, you know, uh, we're, we're really very fortunate. It really is an incredible hospital. And in fact, I know personally that the, they provide so many programs for the Glen Cove Senior Center, um, including um, a wonderful arthritis class. They offer flu shots every year, twice a year. Um, they offer um, wonderful uh, health assessments every other week for our members. Um, and that's just to say a few, besides all the lectures of specialists and doctors that come in. So thank you for all that you provide for our senior center. Oh, no, not at all. It's, it's, it's so important. You know, that's what's so crucial as a community hospital to partner with our local organizations to provide that information to keep our community well. I mean, that's the primary goal. And, um, you know, to identify where the needs are. Um, the, you know, hospital is growing. Um, it is, you know, prior to COVID, it looks a little different today than it did prior to COVID. Um, but the overall arching goal remains the same, is to serve the community, um, you know, of Glen Cove and the other entities and areas around uh, Glen Cove Hospital. And you're entrenched in those areas, Carrie, you're, and you're so entrenched in the community. And I think we all feel that, don't we, Eric? I mean, Glen Cove Hospital just, it's just, first of all, it's such a special place, I think, and everybody that works there, but just being so involved and you give back so much. Yeah, you know, it, it really is, you know, you, you don't realize it. And I, I always knew working for corporate, what a wonderful place it was, but to truly be here and feel that um, just passion, that excitement and love for this institution is really amazing. It's the people that make it uh, so. 
and the community that supports Glen Cove. I mean, it's just amazing. So um, it's very, very important that um, we are providing the services to keep, you know, our constituents well, but it's also um, tremendous to provide the, um, really the, uh, you know, resources and um, these services when patients are ill. And then if they are beyond what we have here to give and connect with our transfer center to move them to an academic tertiary level center of care. Are there any services um, that you'd like to make sure that our listeners know about that the hospital provides? Um, No, that's great. You know, I'd say if people don't realize, we probably have the gem of the gem emergency department. Um, it is the highest ranking patient experience in the, in, in the health system. When you come into our emergency department, it's six minutes from the time you walk in to the time you see a doctor. That's unheard of. You just never see that anywhere. Um, and our physicians and our PAs and our nurses are, you know, just incredibly trained and so well-educated um, and um, are fabulous. Uh, we also have private rooms, which most emergency departments don't have. You know, mm-hmm. some emergency departments, patients are waiting in halls. Um, so, you know, especially with COVID and people are so worried about, you know, now and also the potential for a second wave, um, the emergency department is crucial. Um, for people to know that we have, it's open and ready to care for patients. We also have a very busy um, operating room. Uh, We have services here that um, some of the hospitals don't have. Our uh, center for um, head and neck, which includes uh, thyroid and parathyroid specialty, ENT, Um, endocrinology, allergy and immunology. Um, We have some of the best surgeons from across Northwell and the entire region and country that are performing um, surgery here um, at Glen Cove Hospital. Um, And they're also seeing those patients as an outpatient area as well. Um, We're doing a lot of breast surgery and plastics. Um, I think it's an incredible place that women can come to. It's a calm, quiet, and caring environment. Um, It's not a crazy busy OR um, of 24 um, ORs um, and patients. It's a different um, experience. So um, it's really wonderful. Um, Our our patients have said so, and our physicians continue to come. Um, we are also opening a center for hernia um, excellence. So that is going to be uh, wonderful as well. So we're growing in the surgical realm. We're also growing in relation to our aging population. We have 19% of all nursing homes and um, adult uh, facilities, assisted facilities in Nassau County are in the Glen Cove area. So um, we are making a center for aging, 
we have um, an ex- very superb geriatrician who just began with us, uh, Dr. Khan, and we are going for certification in many of the areas around um, geriatric care for the patient in the outpatient area and the inpatient area, the aging. Um, under the senior leadership of Dr. Maria Carney, one of the um, really a nation's well-known geriatricians that uh, works at Northwell, who heads up geriatrics. And I'd say, you know, one of the things that, you know, Glen Cove is known for, but continues to grow is our rehab. Um, and we added 15 more beds in rehab. Um, remember, we have a brain injury unit. We have a um, really a fabulous orthopedic specialty unit for, uh, uh, we have a neuro unit. So our patients are coming post a really stroke and um, from ma- many of our hospitals that a neurosurgical intensive care unit. Um, and last but not least, what's brand new and is very rare in the country is a Parkinson's program where they're coming from home. And we are getting patients that haven't walked for years able to walk out of the hospital, which is the biggest gift in the entire world. So That's amazing. it is amazing. So it's amazing just what you have to offer uh, and locally, which is what's even better it, right here in our backyard. It is um, Dr. Alex DeRocco, who is really an internationally known physician um, under our chairman, Dr. Sohel Najjar um, for neurology is heading that up um, along with Dr. Susan Moltzer, who's our chairperson for um, really um, PMNR and has done an amazing job with uh, neurology. And um, I I just cannot begin to tell you, um, we're actually going to build a brand new unit for um, uh, neurology and um, here for our our, um, uh, rehab population. So we're continuing to grow. Now, I I know a lot of uh, people might feel nervous about going to the hospital because of COVID, but in reality, it's probably the safest place to be because of all the precautions you take and and emphasis on cleaning and, and sanitizing everything. Are there any precautions you're taking because of COVID? And can we maybe assure everyone that the hospital is a safe and important place to go to if need be? You know, that's such a great question. Um, You know, we actually are the cleanest hospital in Northwell Health. Um, We continue with our Prescani scores to demonstrate that also nationally, how clean we are as an organization. We continue to even raise the bar on that. Um, additional precautions have been made um, because of um, COVID. When uh, visitors come, when staff come in, um, their temperature is monitored. We're going to be monitoring. They're also looking at other symptoms um, before an uh, employee even works um, because we want to protect our staff and we want to protect our patients. So, um, you know, I was at a hotel this weekend, and um, I wish they had the same precautions that um, that our, our hotel, that our, our hospital had, um, because it 
you know, it really made you think about how clean something is. Um, and this is really um, spectacular how we're able to manage that. Um, we have an exquisite um, infection control department who has put forth recommendations under the leadership of Dr. Bruce Farber and Donna Marlino and our local environmental services director and head of infection control have done a fabulous job here to ensure that um, we are meeting those requirements. That's great. And you know what, when we come back, maybe we can tap into that a little bit more, right, Eric? Absolutely. Good. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to WCWP.org on 88.1 FM. Welcome back to Glencoe Spotlight. You're listening to WCWP.org on 88.1 FM. And we have Carrie Scanlon, the executive director here with us today from Northwell Glencoe Hospital. Welcome back. Carrie, I would love to just talk a little bit more. We were talking about cleanliness at the hospital and would love to just um, finish that conversation up a little. I will tell you my line of work, I go into a lot of hospitals. I think Glencoe Hospital is the cleanest out there on Long Island. Um, but do you wanna just add a little bit more to that? before we broke at the last segment? Or, you know, uh, Northwell really has always made standards that I think go above and beyond around cleanliness. And I'd say Glencove is probably, you know, you really not only buy press gaming remarks, but when you come into the hospital, you can see it, you can feel it. The environmental service workers, I always say are the infection control um, specialists. Um, they keep the place clean, which prevents infection. They are the warmest, most wonderful people in the entire world. I just love them. Um, they go in and they speak to patients, and talk to patients. And during COVID, they were scared, but they just kept working with the team and um, they got through it. Um, what we always do is when we have an opportunity, we do what's called a room a day project, which means that we get into a room each day and we a hundred percent from top to bottom, the bathroom, we, you know, power wash, we grout, um, redo the floors. The floors have to shine. When you walk through a building, when you're a patient, you're looking at the ceiling, the ceiling tiles and you're looking at the floor, and that's what you're focusing on. So the building has to be spotless. And um, it, it's no different than when you go into a restaurant. Um, you could have the best restaurant, but if you get a cup that's dirty, it changes the entire experience for you in that restaurant. Um, and healthcare, uh, you know, is, you know, they always say clean, cleanliness is uh, best godliness. Well, it's, it's, it's really true. It's very, very important. Um, I will tell you, it's imperative that people do use the hospitals. Um, during COVID at its height in this area, um, there were a number of people that um, suffered heart attacks, suffered strokes um, that were home 
and did not call for emergency services, did not come in to the emergency departments. Um, this, you know, caused death. This caused um, really ailments and problems. And I think it's imperative that people come back to the institutions because if they don't, um, some of these things will not be uh, treated. And I know our ambulatory areas are now open. Um, they're caring for patients. They're very busy. Um, uh, but, you know, some of our patients need our emergency services and the ambulances. And it's imperative that people trust and uh, are coming back to the, to the hospital. Yes, and I, I can speak from experience because I've been there in the past. Family members, friends, and neighbors of mine have been there. And it's always been a very pleasant experience from, from the volunteer in the hospital all the way up to the top. It's an amazing team there. Everyone cares about what they do, and they, they really are an amazing group of people. Thank you. Yeah. Now, we, we did actually have a lot of our listeners um, submit some questions for you today, so I was hoping sure. to ask you a few if that's all right. I know a lot of people uh, are getting, unfortunately, misinformation out there, so this is obviously very important uh, for a lot of people to know these questions and the answers to these questions. Um, so the first one, very simply, what exactly is COVID? Where did it start? And how did it get here? Okay. Well, you know, COVID is really um, an illness. And, and I'm going to read you something that I wrote. So we're very clear on it. Um, and uh, one of our physicians, Dr. Barbara Kieber, who heads up our family medicine um, department, who does an amazing job. It's an illness that resulted from a type of virus. And that's what's really important, that people understand it's a virus. It's not a bacterial infection. Um, it's called coronavirus, or the scientific name SARS-CoV-2. This particular virus originated in Wuhan, China and is uh, an open marketplace and may have come from animals, they believe, specifically in Wuhan. And that was the initial point of contact was in Wuhan. Um, you know, that's what makes it so difficult is that it is a virus as opposed to an infection that you could give an antibiotic to. Interesting. And how, about how long ago did it actually start in the U.S.? Or do they believe? Um, I'd say it was about February, they're thinking. January, February, you heard smaller cases. And then in March is where we started to see really the explosion. It was around St. Patrick's Day, I remember. And that's when things just really... Um, and then Easter... Um, it really was extremely uh, bad. Um, so, um, but that's this area. So when we think about it, it's still in the United States. So we went through this huge surge and now other states are going through those surges. Texas, Florida, you know, there I think was 33 states on the list that um, would, if they came into New York, they would have to be quarantined. So, um, you know, it's particularly Texas, California, and Florida. 
Now, how exactly does the virus spread? Really, it comes from when you have um, from the nose, from the mouth, and specifically, um, it's an airborne and droplet virus. So, which means you can, if somebody sneezes, um, it's in the air. And if somebody, you, if it's on something, you can pick it up. So it's extremely contagious. Um, and that is, you know, more difficult to, uh, to manage, um, especially when something is an airborne virus. Um, mm. So uh, that's why it's critical that people are wearing masks, that people are social distancing at least six feet um, because of the fact that it is an airborne virus and that people are washing their hands and are utilizing um, sanitizing uh, gels, um, particularly when they're touching something. Um, so it's not just to prevent it from you getting it, but it's to prevent somebody else getting it. And, and how exactly does it affect the body? What happens when you unfortunately have this virus? Well, you know, it really affects um, the lungs um, tremendously. And um, it depends upon, you know, they really, they thought initially patients with age and comorbid conditions, high blood pressure, um, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema, um, diabetes, um, those patients, they felt it affected the most. Um, and, you know, and that's where we saw it. Um, and, and in the end, it became not as much age dependent. It became more of a disease regarding um, chronic conditions that patients had that um, made them more subject to um, complications and problems. Um, once patients were intubated, um, you know, initially the numbers looked like it was around the high 70s percent that they would not, um, they'd have, you know, mortality. That number did drop, thank God. Um, but um, really uh, placing them on a ventilator was um, for care and treatment. Um, but it really was not um, something that was going to cure them. Um, so that's really uh, very, very important to note. Um, if you compare it to the Spanish flu of 1917, you know, back then they didn't have ventilators. Um, so uh, that's why ventilators became such a crucial element. And the shortage of, shortage of them was um, tremendous in mm -hmm. uh, the United States. Thank God for Northwell, we had secured a large number of those prior, um, and then we helped to get more, and we shared those with others that were outside of our own Northwell Health. Carrie, and what, oh, I just wanted to ask a quick question, Eric. Speaking please. of the effects in the body, we're also now seeing that there are long-term effects as well from COVID. Yes, um, particularly with the lungs. Um, they're really not quite sure yet of the lung damage, how long they feel that will be. But um, we see patients that are quite short of breath um, with it. And it also affected um, really the coagulation of patients. Um, so that was a huge issue. 
um, with patients that it could cause a pulmonary embolism, um, it can cause a, a DVT within patients. So it really, um, you know, we learned as sadly as the disease went on um, and we're trialing so many different treatments um, as, uh, the, you know, the, the care of the virus um, went on. And what are some symptoms that, um, you know, occur once being infected by this virus? So some is fever. You know, we look anything greater than 100.1 or 100.4 degrees. Um, We actually take the temperature of every um, employee and every visitor coming in the building. It's done by um, a machine. So it can read the infograph of the temperature, body temperature of of people coming in. Um, We also um, are looking, uh, we have on our time clocks to ask our employees before they clock in, are they having any symptoms of nausea, vomiting? Um, We are moving to something that we're going to be piloting here at Glen Cove, um, that they piloted at corporate for the rest of the health system where um, a number of hours before their shift, people will be answering questions such as, um, do, are they nauseous? Do they have any vomiting, um, diarrhea? Um, are they, is this a new cough? Um, are they having trouble breathing, um, chills? Uh, body ache, lens, the biggest thing, um, loss of um, taste and smell. That was a huge issue for patients who became ill. Um, headaches. Um, so it, it could present um, in, in, in a myriad of um, ways. The other thing is there's patients who get this virus who never present with symptoms and are never ill but are carriers of the virus. Um, so, which is, um, you, know, you know, quite odd. So um, that happens as well. Now you spoke earlier about, about the importance of wearing masks. Are there certain masks that you recommend um, and uh, certain masks that you think people should actually be wearing? Well, you know, you have to look at the masks themselves. You know, the, um, Surgical masks that you can get are excellent, um, but uh, sometimes there's a shortage of these masks when you go into the store to purchase them. Um, You want to make sure that these are not knockoffs, that these are actually real surgical masks. Um, The other thing is there are uh, masks that are being utilized, um, cloth cloth masks, um, they're not as effective as the surgical masks, but, um, it, you know, I, we've been saying to people to really with that, try to maintain your social distancing six feet. Um, but again, um, you know, a good wearing of a mask is better than no wearing of a mask. Um, the other thing is N95 masks. Those are utilized for caregivers that are caring for patients with um, uh, COVID 
or it, they're utilized by our housekeeping team that are going in to clean a room of somebody with COVID. Um, and it is really, um, that is much more um, not, you know, worn by the average public. And I know a lot of people have been taking the uh, antibody tests. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, is that something you recommend? And if so, are there locations locally that people can do that? Yes, the antibody test is really important. We need to know how many um, of our um, constituents have the antibodies. Um, it is, um, you know, truly something that we can do right now. Um, we uh, have still, you know, testing centers that are open. Um, so does Nassau County and the counties. Um, our Go Health um, outpatient sites are sites that can, you can go and be tested. Um, our lab is one of the labs that um, has been running these tests, um, you know, for, uh, you know, um, uh, Northwell and outside of Northwell, which has been fabulous. Um, the um, governor, of course, has come down and stated that this lab, uh, you know, could be utilized to run uh, the studies. Um, if somebody is ill, you know, again, um, coming into an emergency department, getting tested, getting those results back. Um, we had here for our employees, um, for all 70,000 of our employees in the health system. And then here at Glen Cove, locally, we had people um, ask to, you know, we, we went and, and put it in a, a auditorium. People took turns coming down, being socially distanced, having testing done. And then we were um, received our results, whether or not we had antibodies. And, you know, what was so amazing is all of our healthcare givers, you know, how few healthcare givers had antibodies. So, you know, they never got the virus because their PPE, their protective equipment was um, really um, so crucial and um, was something that protected them against um, getting the, uh, the virus. We're going to take a quick break. Carrie, thank you so much. This is such an informative time with you. So thank you. Yeah. We'll be right back. You're listening to Glencoe Spotlight on WCWP.org 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Glen Cove Spotlight on WCWP.org on 88.1 FM. So nice to have you all back with us. Uh, Carrie Scanlon from Northwell Glen Cove Hospital has joined us today. She's the executive director there, and we've been asking her lots of great questions. And Carrie, I think the question that's on a lot of people's minds are, do you think we're going to have a second wave here in New York? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, nationally, you know, we're still in the first wave. So I think the key is um, when you have um, people that end up um, that becoming ill, uh, particularly in the fall and the months, the winter months, that they're not quarantined. 
and um, you have the potential for spread. So I know, you know, the uh, government and um, the hospitals uh, and healthcare were very worried about that because then you'll have a second spread in New York. So as you're going with the virus across the nation, that's a first wave. And the patients that are bringing that back then, let's say to New York, and they're not quarantining, that's the potential for spread. And that's what's so concerning. Um, you know, anytime you're in a closed environment and you don't have good ventilation, um, you're, you know, that's when things potentially can occur when, you know, it's not warm enough to be outside. Um, and it's, um, I know people are very, very concerned about that. We're preparing for a second wave. Um, you know, we're looking at what we would do if we had a second wave. Um, and, you know, during the first wave, you know, we opened an additional three units here and part of a fourth unit uh, during COVID. Um, and, you know, that was challenging to the institution, but it was crucial to meet the needs of the population coming in and also um, transfers coming in from some of our hospitals that were under siege. Um, Forest Hills, you know, um, North Shore, uh, Long Island Jewish, you know, Queens pred predominantly got a huge, huge surge. Now, I think part of the reason is also, as you said earlier, someone can be infected and not show any symptoms. Exactly. So usually, how long does it usually take for symptoms to start occurring? You know, usually you see them in the, a number of days, but um, they're you know, you have pa patients coming in maybe that traveled, let's say to South Carolina and came back, you know, went, let's say they went to Myrtle Beach and they come back and they don't quarantine and they're feeling okay. And now they go and they go to work and now they're spreading that to potentially their coworkers. If their coworkers is n are not wearing masks appropriately or utilizing and washing their hands, so that's where the um, risk comes. Um, and that's what, what's so you know, dangerous about this. Um, there's less risk when you have people outdoors, of course, but um, it's more risk when you're inside and sometimes you're not social distancing six feet. Um, you know, this is why they're worried about the education plans. They're worried about um, the plant, you know, large school districts that don't have the space to um, social distance uh, children. Um, that becomes a tremendous issue because it's maybe not the child who's quite ill, but it's the child who then spreads the virus to the parent and to the grandparent and, um, and so and so. And I know a lot of countries have experimented with herd humanity. Uh, immunity, excuse me. So I was wondering, uh, can you discuss a little bit about that? And if that indeed actually can work? Right. You know, that's really where you have greater than about 70% of the population has the antibodies. Um, and basically, um, for a particular disease, um, it, it basically, um, you know, it's, it's due to a prior vaccine um, we're not there yet, 
and it may work if enough people receive an effective vaccine while others will retain their status with antibodies present in the blood. So we don't have a vaccine right now. Um, there's about 25 different vaccines that are being looked at um, really um, for COVID. Um, there's supposedly a, um, you know, uh, Russia, China have asserted that they have the vaccine. Um, but again, nothing has been proven uh, in the third wave of the studies. So um, again, uh, uh, we're waiting to see uh, where that is going. There is rapid, rapid funding giving to uh, vaccinations uh, worldwide. So it's, um, you know, really crucial. And speaking of a vaccine, I, I know a lot of experts are saying by the end of 2021. Um, do you think that that's accurate? Do you think we'll get it sooner, later? I'm hoping we'll get it sooner, you know. Um, but it's really when you think about it, how the studies have to occur, um, how they have to review. Um, you know, we're, it's already really going into the fourth quarter of 2020. Um, and I, I'm, we're, we're, we'll be in that period of time then that you're going to have such a huge surge potentially. Um, what's critical is in the interim, um, uh, you know, I'll say it again, the masks and cleaning of hands. You know, some countries like Italy have mandated masks and have really, um, really focused on uh, eradicating the virus and have done a fantastic job. Um, but, you know, we have different uh, views within the United States and um, there are no mandates um, occurring right now. Um, so it's really more of a, um, uh, a, a local response, a state-by-state -state response. I mean, think of even school districts. The governor made it a district-by-district uh, -district, um, uh, decision. Uh, so, you know, the vaccination, um, it takes time. It takes time. I'm, I'm hoping that Russia and China has something, but that's quite fast to have something like that. I think part of the problem with this virus is there's so much misinformation out yes. there. Um, and people are posting things and looking on social media and I heard from this person and they heard from this person. Is there a certain websites or certain locations people can get accurate information on this instead of hearing it secondhand or just, I guess, thinking that so-and-so sure. is an expert? In um, you know, the CDC website, um, Center for Disease Control, that is extremely accurate. Um, that is usually the um, consensus and expert uh, where the... Um, information is coming from Nassau County um, will also be, you know, always publishes um, on their um, website. Northwell has a website also that has information. Um, it's, it's crucial though. I mean, I, I would say to you, don't be getting things off of Facebook, you know, or posts that say, um, go to the real source. 
Um, the CDC really is um, a phenomenal source. We utilize the CDC um, at Northwell. And, um, th you know, that, that's been the, um, really the center for um, expertise in this. That is such a great point. <laughs> so thank you. And Eric, you're right. You know, people on social media, I had a family member call me all excited seven weeks ago. And he said, I just heard if you gargle with mouthwash, you can't get it. And we just went out and stocked up on it. And we were like, are you serious? <laughs> so it's frightening, though. And these are really highly intelligent people, well-educated. But the different things that you hear and people are just believing anything they're seeing out there. So, again, go to the CDC, go to Northwell, go to the Nassau County website. All great information. Unfortunately, I think when people are just scared, they just want to hope whatever they hear can help and or whatever they hear is accurate. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Yeah, Such a good point. I think, you know, people are frightened, you know. Um, <laughs> I think that probably we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. No. Um, initially, in the beginning, the closest I could give it, give an example to was HIV. Um, but never did we see what we saw with this pandemic. I mean, Carrie, did you ever think in your lifetime, especially working for Northwell for so many years that you would see something like this? I never thought I'd see a pandemic that was um, a virus like this. I thought more that we, with anything, we would see terrorism where you'd see germ warfare. Um, you know, that is something I've always was concerned about. Um, so I thought we may see something like that. Um, never in my lifetime would I have thought of a virus impacting the, um, you know, every aspect of people's lives. You know, everything is something that, um, you know, uh, impacts something else that impacts something else. Um, years ago, I have a 23 year old. And when she was about seven days old, she ended up getting what's called respiratory syncytial virus. And she was on a ventilator in the pediatric intensive care unit at Manhasset at North Shore. And um, that was when they had a large pediatric department before it moved to Cohen Children's. And, you know, it's a virus. It's very common. Um, when adults get it, it's not as bad. It's a very bad cold. When um, children, my daughter was born early, um, you can die from it. And um, we almost lost my daughter. She was apneic. Um, she was in very bad shape. And um, she was on a vent for about three weeks and she finally made a turn for the best. But one thing I learned when I was a cardiothoracic intensive care unit nurse, I was used to saying, okay, can't you give this? Can't you give that? Can't you give this? No, it was a watch and wait um, phenomenon. And there was one medication you can use as ribavirin but it doesn't cure something and it has other um, potential side effects. COVID is similar, 
to that. Um, so when I think of COVID and what it's done, our patients, um, what it's done to the decisions we've made um, in our lifestyles, decisions we've made in our economy, I, I, I'm blown away. I, I, I truly am. Um, I'm very, very, very fortunate that I work for Northwell. And, and I'm not just saying that. I say that with the greatest respect for the organization. Um, the organization, um, you know, really prepared for something like this um, probably about 20 years ago and began a very strong um, EMS um, and, and really a very strong um, you know, emergency management foundation and infrastructure. And it kept building on it and building on it. And if it wasn't for that, you know, smaller community hospitals like Glen Cove would have a hard time managing something like this. And um, really uh, thank God for people like Michael Dowling, um, who really, um, and, and Mark Slazo, who had the foresight um, to um, build such an infrastructure, and Dr. Kathleen Gallo, who really, um, she uh, registered nurse, and she saw this after Osama bin Laden, and that's how a lot of it came about. And um, Michael Dowling wrote a book, uh, most recently was published on the pandemic and it speaks a lot to that. And, you know, um, it just didn't come out of nowhere. It starts with the foundation. Um, and we actually prepared for this potential um, hit in the pandemic going back to September, going back to January. So like for Glencoe, for example, we actually went and took units that had been closed for 15 years, painted them, got them ready, just in case. And sure enough, we ended up using them. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to people like you and your staff there in the hospital, um, Nassau County and then Long Island and the state was able to control this as it did. And while it's very easy to be fearful and very easy to be scared and angry with all this, I've also seen a lot of the community come together. I've seen people... Uh, do food drives and bring food to seniors and uh, help children, uh, you know, who, who need to be active and out there. I saw people doing free classes at the local parks and beaches. I've seen people just get together and just offer phone calls and, and just anything to, uh, to help the community, which is really amazing when you think about it. it it's, it's really admirable. I would so agree with you so wholeheartedly. We received so many donations from the community. Um, and the food that we, the hospital received, the staff didn't have to worry about, um, you know, that that was right up on the floors. It made a difference. You know, it was a break. It was something um, that made it uh, just, you know, just really a wonderful thing that they felt so supported. Um, we also received financial donations in our COVID relief fund, and we went and reinvested that into 
what the staff wanted, which was afterwards an area where they could decompress and reduce their stress. And we rebuilt the entire patio outside, put gorgeous new furniture out. We put gardens outside and um, we have games outside. We have a Wednesday summer series with music outside, with social distancing. And we're preparing for um, an, ex an expansion on our, um, with these funds also for our cafeteria with the concern about the incoming months of when it gets cold and also added a recreation room for the staff as well and an area to decompress, which is our lavender um, comfort uh, lounge. That's fabulous. Carrie, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, your expertise, your knowledge. It's just been a wonderful hour to be with you. So thank you from both of us. And um, Absolutely. Very Eric, did you want to take just a quick second and talk about anything coming up in September? That are I did want to let everybody know that uh, we have wonderful live streaming events on the Glen Cove Senior Center Facebook page, and you do not need to be a member of Facebook to enjoy those shows. Every Wednesday in September from uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30, we have live music from jazz to 70s to reggae and rock with some incredible local musicians. I think they'll really enjoy it. And then, of course, Monday nights are bingo nights now in Glen Cove. We have people across the country playing from Texas to Colorado, Florida, and Connecticut. We've have hundreds of people enjoy bingo. It's completely free. You don't need to register. You simply go to glencoveathome.com. That's glencoveathome.com on Monday nights from seven to nine. And it's great for the whole family. Fabulous. Thank you. Carrie, thank you again for joining us. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You've been listening to Glencove Spotlight on WCWP.org 88.1. I'm Eric Schumann. And I'm Carolyn Ipel. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.